0: So the good news, global warming is over. The bad news, it's turned into an era of global boiling. That's according to U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres, as we're seeing all across the world, North America, Europe and Asia have hundreds of millions of people enduring blistering
1: conditions this summer. Here's a win win. The thousands of miles of canals that bring water to Southern California might soon be covered by solar panels, reducing evaporation and generating renewable energy. And does Barbie need a
0: gynecologist? That's the question asked by director Greta Gerwig in her summer hit movie, Barbie. And the answer might surprise you. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nate. We're two OBGYNs who care about the environment and how it affects our patients. So in 2020, we published the first paper about climate change and pregnancy in a top medical journal.
1: It had tables and everything. The day the paper came out, the New York Times wrote about our findings. 10 hours later, Joe Biden tweeted at us.
0: Then a bunch of other things happened. So now, like everybody else, we've got a podcast.
1: Welcome to the Green Docs.
0: In this episode, Elephant in the Womb. We'll be talking to the executive leadership of one of the most exciting femtech startups coming out of San Francisco, uh, which is called Ilovu Health. We'll be joined by their CEO, Noelle Pugh, and their CMO, Santosh Pandapati. And they'll be talking to us about uh, what they're introducing as kind of the latest iteration of a personalized virtual ecosphere that combines that kind of care with in-person visits. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nate DiNicola an OBGYN in Southern California, and the environmental health expert for uh, our national ob society, which is called ACOG, and the international ob society, which is called FIGO.
1: And I'm Bruce Picard. I'm an OBGYN in San Diego. I'm on the editorial board of the Journal of Climate Change and Health, and I'm a fellow with EcoAmerica in Washington, D.C., uh, where I work on efforts to educate the medical community about the threats of climate change to our health, and also uh, help train people up in advocacy so they can get active in their community. So, Nate, speaking of our community and life in general, what's been going on this week?
0: Well, I uh, I had an interview with the Weather Channel. Now, I know OBGYNs probably get interviewed by the Weather Channel all the time, but this was, this was a kind of a unique experience to join on live TV. Uh, they were asking me to, to weigh in on the continued story about the Canadian wildfire smoke still coming into parts of North America and uh, causing hazardous breathing conditions for all people. But, but as we pointed out many times, that's especially problematic for, uh, for pregnant women.
1: Okay. And on a similar note, I'm going to go see Barbie tomorrow night. Um, uh, I, I, I guess the main thing that goes through my mind when I think about it is I, I understand a lot of women are wearing Barbie outfits and wearing pink, uh, but am I required to attire myself in a particular way for uh, for going to see this movie? And if so, uh, what recommendations do you have, Nate, as far as a Ken outfit?
0: Well, on TikTok, I've seen quite a few style guides for dressing like Ken. Uh, Brian Gosling has a whole bit on it. You can find the right sunglasses, the right, I think there's a headband you got to wear. So yeah, I'm sure you could you could pull that off, and I guess I should have warned you about the spoiler alert in the headline where we'll be talking about if Barbie needs a gynecologist. So we'll get to that in a minute. On the note of the Weather Channel, just it also brought up the fact that uh, past guest meteorologist Mary Marshall, who goes by Mary Weather on Instagram, won an Emmy recently. So uh, congratulations to our to our uh, former guest, and uh, you should definitely be watching her on. WUSA uh, Channel 9 DC and on Instagram. Uh, she almost weekly is posting health updates about not just how weather and health interact, but specifically calling out pregnancy and children uh, that happened again this week. So, congratulations and great work to Mary Marshall.
1: Yeah, we're so pleased to see her leadership really connecting the dots to these significant problems. And unfortunately, there's been a heck, uh, an awful lot of opportunities uh, to do that over the last month or so of summer temperatures. But anyway, speaking of heat, yeah. Nate, what about this uh, story of this incredibly persistent and severe heat that's baking the planet?
0: Well, yeah, it might almost seem like old news to be talking about heat in summer, and everyone knows, or at least has heard, some version of global warming, climate change is a problem, blah, blah, blah. But the reason we're leading off with this is that this, this somewhat old story keeps getting new and keeps getting worse. Uh, and so it, it was no... You know, he, he's not being sensational when the U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres says that we're no longer in global warming, we're in global boiling. Uh, and and the headlines are almost, I mean, they'd be funny if they weren't so serious. Like like in Iran, the heat index reached 152 degrees Fahrenheit. That, that is like, you know, something you'd have on a foreign planet. Uh, in Florida this week, the water temperature got over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. That, that literally is a jacuzzi you're stepping into. Now it was shallow water, it was five foot water, but, but still, you know, this is just, it, it's reaching a quite literal boiling point.
1: Yeah, and climate researchers are noticing also, <clears throat> excuse me, that nine major cities in the U.S. have at least a million people living in what are described as urban heat islands, where the heat is especially concentrated. And these are New York, Houston, Los Angeles, dallas chicago san antonio phoenix detroit and right here in san diego so uh and let's also keep in mind that an awful high percentage of those people don't have a voice we're not hearing from them but can you imagine living in an urban heat island over the last few weeks and not having air conditioning not being able to get out of this heat
0: yeah i mean i would just direct our listeners back to our episode bun in a crazy hot oven Uh, we spent a good 15 20 minutes uh, talking to the meteorologist about these exact details, you know, that that we really do have a, a community responsibility to protect us all from heat. And there are various ways that can be done. Uh, we covered in the past. L.A. City Council is looking at making air conditioning a requirement in rental units. Uh, obviously, that there, there's always the other side to that, which is who's paying for it. How do you do it? And that's all important. But but ultimately, this is a, a health risk and a, and a health topic. And we know that any form of cooling, whether it's you know the, the, the strongest things like HVAC central air, or fans, or even just being able to open windows and allow nighttime cooling, any bit helps. And so we're, we're going to have to prepare for this. I mean, it's, it's only getting worse every year.
1: Well, I want to pivot to something a bit more positive. This is an interesting story. My headline that I had run across, there's a pilot project called Project Nexus that's been funded uh, for the state of California to study what happens when you cover an irrigation canal with solar panels Uh, and we will have answers I'm sure relatively fast but there's no question that those canals being exposed to these elevated temperatures are losing an awful lot of the water they carry just due to evaporation so why not cover them with solar panels make some clean energy while at the same time reducing that evaporation loss so I'm really eager to hear what happens from this, but they've already calculated that the potential is to produce enough energy, if we covered the entire 8,000 miles of open canals, Uh, enough energy could be generated to power 20 million homes and would probably save tens of billions of gallons of water annually. So this is not going to solve our problems, but it is going to help uh, if it's rolled out uh, relatively soon. It will really help to uh, help us to adapt just like you were talking about with uh, the high temperatures that we're experiencing right now.
0: You know, this, this made me think of that Monty Python skit where they say, what have the Romans ever done for us? Oh, well, there, there was the irrigation uh, and, the, and the no crime <laughs> and the public health. Oh yeah. Don't forget the public health. That was pretty good. Do, do you think in, you know, a few years, the people are sitting there saying, what have the Californians ever done for us? Oh, well, there was that free energy. There was that Protected, cleaner water. (laughs) I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think I would love to have that conversation. What has California ever done for us? I think we do a lot. We're innovative, uh, far from perfect. But uh, these things all seem like they're at least addressing the problems, moving us in the right direction. So anyway, how about this headline about Barbie? Yeah, as I say, speaking of
0: things that California have done for us, uh, you know, Hollywood's always a Lightning Rod for controversy, and uh, ultimately they're, they're here, I think, to entertain us, and probably they want to do other things too, but, but entertainment's a core feature of, of Hollywood. And I think that's how a lot of people are approaching this Barbie movie, is they just want a summer blockbuster, some summer fun. They want to dress up in pink, uh, including you, Bruce, you can dress up like Ken. Uh, but they're, and this is a bit of a spoiler alert, although I'm going to frame it in a way that I hope doesn't spoil anything, uh, just that the question is somewhat asked in the movie, does Barbie need a gynecologist? And it's kind of a callback to a joke because the Barbie doll, I think sort of famously and appropriately, has no genitalia. So why would Barbie need a gynecologist? Uh, but it gets into, I think the movie gets into deeper topics about that. So I guess you can update us after you see the movie this weekend. Uh, the other reason I brought it up, I suppose, is that there is kind of a update in the last, say, five to ten years in the general uh, Uh, well woman exam or annual exam that because pap smear schedules have spaced out to now every three to five years it's not uh, quite the same that it is it used to be and it it, the 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 annual exam used to be one of the most consistent things that women's health could count on every single year that that exam had to be done and minus the pap smear it's not quite as um, sturdy as it used to be uh, even though we still really strongly recommend it for a lot of other reasons that have um, preventive health maintenance in mind besides the pap smear. So I just thought it was interesting that, that Barbie highlighted that one exam as kind of the uh, emblem of, of women's health.
1: It is true, but it's also one of the recurring themes of Green Docs as we're talking about the evolution of healthcare. So many things are coming together to not only enable change in how we provide care, but also to to more or less demand uh, a new look at so much of what we do. So uh, I think that's a perfect way to segue us into our interview. So stay tuned. Very soon, you're going to hear a lot more about this.
0: So now we are delighted to be joined by Noel Pugh and Santosh Pandapati, who have been patiently waiting in the green womb. Uh, Noel is the CEO and Santosh is the CMO of a new femtech uh, startup and uh, blossoming uh, company out of San Francisco called Ilovu Health. Uh, they'll explain to us the origin behind that name. And they really are are blazing the trail in what it looks like for virtual care models to intersect with traditional brick and mortar models and building out a whole uh, personalized ecosphere for reimagining prenatal care. So, Noel and Santosh, welcome to the Green Docs.
2: Pleasure to be here, Nate.
3: Thank you very much, Nate and Bruce. An honor.
1: And uh, we should also add that Santosh wears a number of hats in the world like he doesn't have enough to do being a father and a husband and a perinatologist who takes care of high-risk pregnancy Uh, But Santosh and Nate and I have worked together on several different climate and health-related projects around OBGYNs and pregnancy health. But this is a somewhat different conversation. Santosh, how do you do all this stuff in a day? How do you run this company, take care of patients, save the world, and be a dad and a husband? I'm already tired just listing the question.
3: Uh, (laughs) Well, you're very, very kind. I try to do all of them as well as I can. I've got an incredibly supportive uh, family, uh, wife and children. They understand the greater mission. Uh, They understand that what we're working on is very important for their long run uh, health and, and well-being as well. I've got an incredible uh, leadership team, our CEO, Noel Q, an incredible friend and um, really mentor in the business world. And I've got you guys, um, Nate, Bruce, uh, you, no better inspiration than the two of you. And I have to tell you, this all started with an angry email I fired off years ago to our medical societies complaining, why aren't we speaking up more about the perils of climate uh change to human health and reproductive health and that's when uh amazingly instead of firing it off into the ether never seeing a response uh nate replied and uh started this whole journey and uh in this process i've been able to meet wonderful people like like the
0: two of you oh god what have i done what did i do <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, Santosh, Nate is everywhere. Do you know that back in late 2015, when I thought it would be good to look at whether or not there was a connection between climate change and births in the U.S., and I actually spoke to the president of the American College of OBGYN. I just cheekily called uh, and and explained what it was I wanted to do. He had no idea who I was. But the two names that he gave me were Nates and Jeannie Connery, who is, of course, our, our guest on our third episode and is a giant in the world of OBGYN. But Nate just had his fingers on everything related to the environment and climate change as it connected to women's health. And so that's how I got stuck with him too.
0: I, I, I have to apologize to the world for what for what we've created here. <laughs> no, of course I'm kidding. Yeah, this is this has been a really cool evolution of the last uh you know ten years really of of working in this space. And culminating with uh, with some partnerships in unexpected areas. You know, my my roles with with the National Opioid Society were at first in telehealth, and then the environmental health uh, interest came later. And I think for a while people thought I was kind of schizophrenic to have these two interests. Uh, there was they saw no overlap, they saw no intersection. But uh, I I think especially post COVID, we're starting to see where these two interests really do intersect, and uh, that's what brings us to ELOVU. So. Noel, as as CEO of this amazing startup, uh, can can you tell us about the origin story of Ilovu and how you came to to be the CEO?
2: Um, So in March of 2022, we actually founded um, Ilovu Health. Uh, The name Ilovu hails from the word Indilovu, which in Zulu means elephant. And we chose the elephant not only because it's beloved cross-culturally to South Asian women, African-American women, The elephant is the master ecosphere builder of nature, but for the elephant, flora and fauna literally cannot find each other. We break down barriers. Uh, We create operability and interoperability where there is none, much like the elephant. So again, tying back to our environment, uh, that's our very, uh, very ideology.
0: So how many times a week does somebody make the pun, uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room?
3: (laughs) If we had our druthers, it would be every day.
2: (laughs) Yeah, every day. Well, and you know, it's funny that you say that because Nate, you and I have had a few conversations with Liz Chirot of of, um, the March of Dimes, who's now been promoted to the CEO of the March of Dimes. And one of the things she said is, we were around West Texas handing out blood pressure cuffs. We should have been handing out elephants. We want elephants to be in the room, in the bedroom. We want elephants to be in the doc's office. We want elephants everywhere. So we talk about this constantly.
1: Elephants such a nice sort of an analogy to a lot of the issues that we're talking about because they are hiding in plain sight and massive and necessary to deal with. But I also love the, the insignia or the emblem of the company. Uh, I, I'm probably uh, like everybody when I see pictures of elephants or images of elephants, it's, it's somehow calming and reassuring. So, uh, and uh, in our last episode, Nate, we were talking about whales. So, we seem to be migrating towards some of the larger animals on Earth as we try to grapple with some of the bigger problems in society. So, go big or go home, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> so, let, let's
0: talk a little bit about that because, you know, the elephant, yeah, there's so much iconography about that. Uh, but I think a, a, a sizable part of it, no pun intended there. Is how <laughs> how these animals relate to ecosystems, and a big part of Ilovu's innovation and and really kind of uh, first to market, is is the Ecosphere partnership that you bring to to both the the doctors and the patients who use this. So, can we hear a little about the uh, the Ecosphere setup that Ilovu has?
3: I mean, Health is happening at the mom's home, not in our offices, right? Not in the hospital. So. We know that there are a lot of needs that pregnant mothers have that we can't readily provide, whether it's lactation support, pelvic floor physical therapy, nutrition, mental health services. And then when we do identify these issues, we struggle to get these moms the services that they need. All kinds of access barriers, whether they're geographic or they're insurance Uh, You know, there's uh, child care issues, all kinds of um, employment issues. What we realized very quickly is not only do we need to fill these data gaps, but we need to break down the the access uh, struggles. So just like the elephant, right, uh, that is breaking down these barriers in the forest. What we realized very quickly is we've got a lot of great femtech leaders and partners. You've been interviewing folks on your podcast we need to start connecting the dots. And what we can do is actually through Ilovu, create this marketplace where people who are doing wonderful work in all of these other areas can now get access to those moms that need their services. And so we realized very quickly uh, that we need to lift this and help our, our colleagues who are doing wonderful work, but in the process actually create some new opportunities for insights because we know that no one exists in a silo. And again, bringing this back to the elephant analogy, we know it's a a village. Uh, It's a a community of animals that work together to raise their uh, offspring and protect uh, the pregnant elephants. So for us, we've been delighted in the partnerships we've made, for example, with Brightside, with Rosie, uh, Luna Joy, Uh, DNC perinatal. There's just a a long list now. And folks are now coming to us saying, hey, this is where we want to be practicing and accessing patients.
2: And if I may, one of the things that we began to learn as we opened up access via telehealth was that if you look for the problem, because you now have the access to solve the problem, you're going to find the problem so upwards of 20 percent of our moms are actually flagging for i have acute emotional distress and i don't have a provider and we can very quickly connect that mother in with a telehealth offering reducing time to clinician from three to four weeks down to 24 to 48 hours so it's it's really a game-changing model as a recovering healthcare administrator We knew well that we didn't want to invest deeply in a brick-and-mortar model whereby we were hiring and firing clinicians. Uh, We're calling it click-and-mortar, and and that's really (laughs) connecting into existing infrastructure and then creating that telehealth overlay so that we can connect and create world-class access that's never been there before.
0: Did you coin that phrase, Noelle, click-and-mortar?
2: You know... I think somebody else kind of did, and I read an article, but I'm going to go ahead and say I like it a lot, and I'm going to continue to use it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, and we've been honored to be able to go live with uh, with your practice, Nate, with uh, practices in Santa Barbara, and now we're about to go live in Seattle. And really, we've got uh, a pipeline that's including uh West Texas uh, where we know there is a maternal maternity care desert uh, and and other areas that are that are starting to open up uh, that where we're, we're able to start to see the value proposition for what we're doing what's really exciting for me is being able to start having crosstalk where the nutritionist can talk to the mental health expert can talk to the sexual health expert and collectively create a care plan that's personalized to the mom, and then bringing that information back to us as the clinicians who are primarily taking care of these moms. So we know that our moms are being supported along the way. What I love about ELOVU is also the fact that we are now so personalized that we can start looking at where people live and start looking at their environmental exposures and starting to implement. The things that we've all been talking about for so long but haven't had a way to really individually send out those recommendations in a timely basis so we're, with our navigator teams and our platform we're heading towards being able to have real-time kind of you know updates right now i have to go to my my phone and check the air quality like we had to this morning i'm on vacation here in in, in sun river oregon and Lo and behold, we almost canceled the trip because the day we were supposed to drive up here, the air quality index was over 300. Uh, And then in the mornings, we have to contend with air quality that sometimes restricts our ability to actually go out and enjoy nature. These are things that a lot of folks don't have the tools. If you can imagine a mom going through Ilovu where the platform and the navigator's reaching out and saying, hey, I want you to be careful today when you're outdoors. Uh, we want you to be wearing an N95 mask to avoid the particulate uh, inhalation. The heat, hey, it's going to be really hot this afternoon. The heat index is going to be quite significant. So we want to make sure that you're at a cooling uh, shelter or that you have air conditioning where you live. So these are the kinds of things that you and I can make these recommendations and we can publish these guidelines, but how do we implement them? How do we actually, at scale, start to globalize the message? This is where I think your comments about these two apparent disparate streams of technology and environmental health, how do they come together? And I think we're starting to understand that they go hand in hand. Uh, Technology got us to the mess that we're in, and I think technology is going to have to help us get out of the mess that we're in.
1: I'm going to ask just to bring this down from a 30,000 foot level to tell us a story about an individual patient, maybe one that you know of or uh, someone you can just imagine as they go from conception through their pregnancy, how this is all integrated, because it does really sound transformative and I want to make it real for people. So can you give us uh, just a walk through that, that nine or 10 month journey through Elovu and someone's obstetrician?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think the the beauty here is that it does start, and we want to start even pre-conception, because so much of getting ready for pregnancy and getting your health in line for pregnancy will lead to better health outcomes. But a mom enrolls uh, through her obstetrician, uh, whether it's a midwife or OBGYN or in some places a family practitioner, and she enrolls at the first trimester when she has a positive pregnancy test, is confirmed to have a viable pregnancy. We immediately deploy um, monitoring devices as well as our navigation services. And so our navigator is guiding a mom on a daily basis, assessing her for her mental health, physical health, and monitoring her remote patient uh, data and really assessing for potential needs. We do a very extensive intake to uncover any potential uh, ancillary services that she might need, whether they're nutrition or pelvic floor physical therapy or sexual health, etc. And we are then journeying along the way. And we've got various education materials uh, that we distribute to the mothers along the, the journey. As needs arise, we start plugging them intelligently in to the various service providers that are in our ecosphere for the market.
2: So all of the services that we've just described, the assessing, the monitoring, the daily navigation of mom, this is actually subsidized by her insurance programming. So that's game changing um, because mom's not having to come deeply out of pocket in order to have her best pregnancy.
3: And so... What we're doing here is by is showing people a different way of practicing, a different way to um, understand holistic care. And it doesn't interfere with us as the clinicians. We're still there to make sure that, you know, disaster doesn't strike. And and speaking of
0: preventing disaster from striking, uh, we <laughs> so many ways that I could go with this. You're probably wondering, where is Nick to go with this? Uh, <laughs> In in a in a very real sense, we you know the, the Ilovu partnership with Caduceus Medical Group, where, where I'm the chief medical officer, and where we have um, engaged in a pilot program with Ilovu. We we had a, a case study in the in exactly what Bruce was asking about, where a pregnant mom had remote monitoring, which includes you know remote blood pressure monitoring, not exactly new anymore, but it includes that remote uh, maternal weight monitoring. Uh, and then also remote fetal heart monitoring, which is new. Uh, some of these devices are, you know, first to first to market FDA approved remote fetal monitoring. And in this case, the mom's blood pressure uh, late in the third trimester was starting to rise, as we know can happen in lower risk pregnancies. And she rather quickly converted from low risk to high risk. Blood pressures were looking concerning. And with the combination of, I love that click and mortar phrase. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> just that we were you know, virtually monitoring the blood pressures. That instantly linked to a nurse care navigator who identified the problem, contacted the care team, in this case it was myself, on a weekend, like after hours, this was late at night. We contacted the mom and she got to the hospital and you know, lo and behold, she was having severe blood pressures. It was on the way to severe preeclampsia, which we don't have to remind people, I don't think. It can get really bad really quickly. So so this particular mother underwent a C section, had a, a very healthy baby, mom did well, and yeah, you know, we we probably did. We can never prove this, but but we really do think that we prevented disaster there from from uh, severe preeclampsia. And then postpartum, she can link with both Caduceus in our in our uh, postpartum care, and then other wraparound services that that many clinicians wouldn't have available to them, like sexual health partners as you know virtual consults. So uh, I think it's a a pretty cool wraparound service that we've been able to offer.
2: And Nate, yeah. we've just begun. We have absolutely just begun. We just this last weekend uh, identified a mother who had flagged 20 on the Edinburgh uh, scale, which is a, a measure of mental health and wellness and um, had flagged for suicidal ideation and were very quickly able to intervene, inclusive of her primary care and OB clinician teams intervening, hotline intervening, uh, psychotherapy services quickly and psychiatry services quickly wrapped around I I would offer, but for the Ulovu platform, we would not have as quickly detected this pathology in this mother. Um, And as many folks are aware, actually, a lot of folks are actually not aware, um, the number one cause of maternal mortality in the postpartum population is actually maternal suicide. So we are doing a lot of work that's very interesting. And I think when we start to combine what this means from an, an environmental perspective, Many folks had identified you know, in a maternal care desert that a lack of an OB, or a lack of an acute care delivery system where a mom could actually deliver the baby was the desert, right? And that's part of where these moms were driving two and a half, three and a half, sometimes five hours to go access a clinician. Well, it's not just that that makes the desert, it's the lack of ancillary services as well. The doula, lactation, um, physical therapy services, all these different places mom would have to physically drive Right. So we've solved for that. So we can't wait. And, and this is going to be in our next iteration of the platform, really calculating what's the ROI to our environment for having fully yeah. embraced an, uh, a telehealth model.
3: What's amazing is we also know that there are huge <clears throat> food deserts and the access to nutritious foods, plant based diets. We know that our nutrition partners are eager to start providing this information to patients. We've got some incredible partnerships where patients can get healthy meals provided to them uh, when they are flagging for food insecurity. We know that we can tell patients all, uh, you know, till the, um, what's the phrase, the cows come home, uh, that, uh, you know, they need to eat, eat better. But if we don't give them the uh, opportunities and we don't actually provide the access, we know that these are other ways that we can improve the environment in terms of um, eating healthier and lower on the food chain when we look at mental health issues the blood pressure issues that you're talking about oftentimes as you bring up nate we've just seen these moms the mom who flagged for suicidal ideation had actually just recently seen her OB uh, provider and hadn't brought it up uh, often because they May feel there is nowhere to go with that in a discussion with their OB provider. What it, what's, what's my obstetrician going to do for me? And so they immediately open up with our navigator teams uh, because they view the navigators as their allies uh, in their health.
0: Yeah, the, the, the promise for telehealth for, for a while, I think, has been getting patients the care when they need it, where they need it. Which is not always in the doctor's office and is not always nine to five. Uh, now, having remote options has been around for a little while, even pre-COVID. We were exploring a lot of these remote monitoring devices for pregnancy uh, prenatal care. But what's so cool about this evolution of uh, Ilovu is that it combines both. It, it's really the hybrid. You know, it has the remote monitoring capabilities, but then it ties in directly to a brick and mortar traditional healthcare system, which you still need, you know, there's nothing about telehealth that can replace that entirely. So we've been delighted at Caduceus to be able to offer this to our patients. And, uh, we have recently, uh, extended that, that partnership with Lovu for the next three years. So really excited to see what's, what's coming up. Uh, Noah, what what do you see as the future for future directions for Lovu and this kind of hybrid click and mortar care?
2: Um, well if we have our druthers is going to be an elephant in every ob's office um the future direction is to really force multiply this model across the united states we've been very thoughtful um, to land in not only environments where there is a deep need in the population um but also really addressing for these maternal care deserts so if you were to actively look at say our go-to-market strategy you see us attacking the care deserts heads on head on by going to marketplaces like eastern idaho west texas um, the parts of the pacific northwest that are wholly underserved also entering into complicated populations where there's a lot of diversity and a lot of um uh multiple languages spoken um, which make telehealth models and click and mortar dif- difficult to to lift we say no no problem too big.
1: And, and I want to look at this question uh, from a slightly different angle because we are the green doc. So I want to to hear specifically about, uh, I mean, so many of these things we're touching on right now are sort of obvious, but I'd like you to stitch them together. How does this lower, uh, potentially at least, the carbon footprint of healthcare yeah. in general, um, while at the same time improving outcomes? I think those those two are definitely linked, isn't, aren't they?
3: Yeah. So I think over the five years, uh, as we look ahead, we know that only so much of what we do through a traditional healthcare model will improve outcomes. But we also know, for example, that uh, excess exposure to heat and air pollution leads to higher rates of stillbirth and low birth weight and premature birth. The work that you, Nate and Bruce have done and published on has been groundbreaking. Um, And in showing us these risks, and by being able to help moms on a micro basis, we call them micro nudges through the course of the day. Hey, we, this is the ideal behavior that you need to do to avoid an, an exposure or to eat better. So That at scale, this, this actually play, pays off.
0: Would, would some of those micro nudges be things like uh, heat index alerts and air quality index alerts? Now I ask this because uh, you alluded to yes. it, but, but for the audience, uh, Santosh has conduct this interview from his car. Uh, because his family was on their way to play pickleball and then an air quality alert came through that was like very hazardous. And so the whole family plan had to change. And that's kind of a bummer. They can't play pickleball. But, uh, you know, this was like a a real health risk that that you guys would have been uh, getting into.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, most people aren't checking their phones or checking their weather apps and air quality index. Most people would Tremendously benefit from that, and uh, I think we know that these cumulative, these exposures cumulatively will lead to adverse health outcomes, whether it's cancer or whether it's a heart attack or whether it's premature birth. So, by allowing that insight to each individual on a on a daily, frequent basis, we know that we're going to be able to make that that improvement uh, in their long term.
1: You know, I'm starting to think I need an elephant. Uh, be, be, because <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I'm probably not going to be pregnant and needing your direct care, but but I'm being silly, but but I'm quite serious. This is a whole transformation in how healthcare wow. uh, at, at large ought to be uh, enabled through technology and remote monitoring and all the things that you're talking about. Do you see a time where? your company actually goes beyond the care of just the pregnancy itself and into care of women in general, or maybe even men?
2: Absolutely, Bruce. And welcome to the Elovu Innovation Team. Uh, so uh, you just articulated you know, sort of a future state. We do believe everybody should have their own personal element. Um, you know, I, I think when we set out to, to really solve for this particular care gap and a maternal health crisis here stateside, um, we knew we were embarking upon a journey that was absolutely appropriate for a very, very interesting and complicated patient population that, frankly, is just going through a physiological state. Pregnancy is natural, right? A lot of women go through this to that end. The very things that we're recommending for our moms, the education over what is the right thing to eat, what eco hotspots to avoid when you're exercising during the day or you're taking a walk, these are the very bits of direction and nudging that every human being could benefit from.
1: I think a lot of what exhausts us as clinicians is trying to put out literal fires, trying trying to stop crises that are already well underway by the time we see them. And I think this this sort of an approach to healthcare uh, has such potential for lessening the stress and the burden on on individual practitioners and on healthcare systems. So it's my favorite game to play always is something there where you have a win-win. This is win-win on so many different levels, the possibilities here. So uh, you know, I, I just flash back to a few years ago when I stopped practicing, and we were still using this model of, you know, your blood pressure is whatever it is that we say it is when you, you know, just came up the stairs and sat down in front of the nurse and, and probably didn't take two minutes to unwind. And that, that's what we're going to assume your blood pressure is when actually all of health happens outside of the doctor's office. Uh, anyway, tremendously exciting. And uh, boy, we need, to, we need to keep hearing about this, Nate.
0: Yeah. And by the way, nice use of the pun there, including exhaust in your conversation about air pollution.
2: i thought for sure you were going to say we've talked about elephants, whales and cows today.
0: You know, Noel, uh, you read my mind. I was waiting to bring that up and it just, you know, the moment passed. But thank you for bringing it back. Yeah.
2: All right. I was there with you. I was like, this is a lot of big mammal.
0: Yeah <laughs> I, I, what's, what's left really I, I, We'll have to circle back to that So I- Ilobu is getting all the big news this summer you got the Caduceus announcement You've got West Texas You've got all the, the big headlines But there is one other story out there in the metaverse About the intersection between the real world And the virtual world And it's centered around women Have any of you seen the Barbie movie?
3: Not yet. It's on the list. And i got to take my family so I can't go watch it on my own. I've got two teenage daughters and a wife who are eager to see it. Have you guys seen it?
1: I'm going on Saturday. That's tomorrow. Uh, I was just talking to Nate earlier about what outfit I'm going to (laughs) wear. I wasn't planning on any outfit at all, but apparently it's expected. So I'll be kenning it up tomorrow. Bruce, I'm telling you,
0: headband. You got to get the headband. That's the key.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I, I got to tell you, Barbenheimer weekend was a real thing here in the Bay Area. And I, I live in a, a little neighborhood in San Francisco called the Marina where the average age is, well, just, you know, let's just say the millennials are here to stay. Um, and uh, there were lines of pink. Um, so it was more Barb, less Heimer around here. And I am, uh, I'm staying away. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I can tell you pink is one of the core colors for e So I'm already pretty well equipped with, uh, I've got a nice polo that I think I'll wear to the, uh, to the event. <laughs>
0: yeah. Ryan Gosling said in his TikTok, you have to wear, uh, sunglasses that are highly reflective so it can reflect Barbie's brilliance or something
3: like that. <laughs>
2: Who knew knew that Ryan Gosling was actually quippy? Uh, Like, high
3: five. He's Canadian. He's Canadian.
0: They're all funny, you know? (laughs) Oh, yes.
3: That's the key differentiator. You're so right.
0: (laughs) So I I have not seen the movie. Uh, Kendall did, so I feel like I got the highlights. And we uh, we mentioned one of the potential spoiler alerts, although I've tried to frame it in a way that doesn't really ruin it. Uh, One of our headlines was the question of, you know, does Barbie need a gynecologist? So... For those going to the movie this weekend or or coming up, just consider that question: Does does Barbie need a gynecologist?
2: Well, every plastic girl does. So,
1: and she might need some remote monitoring. Uh, I don't think she's pregnant, but but she may Um, have some unaddressed health problems. Yeah,
2: we got got some issues with the scale. I'm just gonna stick with that.
0: Come on, that's gotta be the sequel. That's gotta be the sequel to this movie, right? Like Baby Barbie. Barbie gets pregnant, Barbie. That, that has to be next. Yeah. And Ilovu will be ready to monitor every every bit of it.
3: There's uh, got to be an Ilovu plastic clinic. And, yeah, and, and, and it's, if you're going
2: through an existential crisis. Yeah,
3: yeah for sure. <laughs> this has been an absolute blast talking with you guys and really can't thank you enough for highlighting us and the work that we're doing and, and where we're headed. I think um, we're eager to get many more doctors on platform, many more mothers and families to benefit from the services that we're building and and doing. And and frankly, from an environmental health standpoint, to get the message out there more broadly uh, to the general public.
2: Yeah, there's relief is here. So uh, we're looking to grow as quickly as possible. Yeah.
1: Well, we are so excited and pleased to be able to share the amazing work that you're doing and the big thoughts that you're having. And we have to have you back and find out, uh, how this is going a year or two from now, or maybe even sooner, because it seems like things are changing awfully fast and, uh, we need to keep people informed about it. So thanks very much for being here.
2: Well, and I'm going to leave you with this. So Nate's Kendall adopted an elephant for us. (laughs)
0: and 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 for the listeners noelle is showing up a she's displaying a stuffed pink elephant perfectly themed for barbie month actually and have have you you (laughs) been have you been keeping track of the elephant because the idea is that you actually adopt a real life elephant and you can kind of track it with the the digital uh devices they have
2: uh, okay, whoops, didn't realize that happens with this adoption program. Going to be checking that out.
3: <laughs> you got to check on your baby <laughs>
2: elephant. <in a> <laughs> Bruce, you too can adopt an elephant.
1: <laughs> I want an elephant. I want two elephants.
0: Well, if you had never heard of Ilovu before, now you know. And uh, hopefully everybody at some point wants an elephant in the womb, a personal care navigator to get them through uh, prenatal care 2.0, a uh, much more interactive and uh, convenient and wraparound uh, way of, of delivering health care. Uh, for, our, for our patients who are listening and just anybody who's looking for tips to be a healthier, happier person, I think the main takeaway that I took in this interview with uh, Noelle and Santosh was that uh, these apps are still really useful. Uh, even the ones that maybe aren't fully integrated into your uh, say regular Rolodex. Uh, so i I'd direct people to two in particular. One is the EPA Air Now app. It gives you minute-to-minute air quality index, and especially as we saw with like the Canadian wildfires that brush smoke all across parts of the US. It- it's it's really useful and it can tell you times when you are better off indoors. The second one is the OSHA Heat Index. We are, as we mentioned, going through a blistering summer, and the heat index will give you, again, uh, real-time indicators, not just of the temperature, but how the e- heat index relates to how going, your body's gonna experience that temperature. And uh, for, for pregnant women, it is, it's just critical that you can stay cool, stay hydrated, and stay out of the hospital. Um, and one other point just for uh, kind of how patients interact with their doctors in general, uh, you should be asking your doctors about apps. Uh, there's there's nothing that will get the health professionals to learn about a new topic better than having three patients ask them about it in a day. So whether it's one that is uh, built for your uh, healthcare team in, in whatever clinic you go to, or it's one that you came across and you think is, is cool and interesting, uh, ask your doctor, you know, is this app right for you?
1: Yep, a part of our uh, jobs as physicians in any kind of care provider is that we constantly evolve and constantly learn. And as Nate says, there's no question that we learn from patients all the time. And so don't be, uh, uncomfortable about approaching these topics. You may have to give a few micro nudges to some of your doctors, but in the end they will benefit as, uh, as all patients will. And when you're using these apps, of course, these are not just for pregnant women. They're also for all of us because we can all benefit by uh, orienting our days to avoid the worst of the heat and the worst of the air pollution. In particular, if you have kids, if they have asthma or something like that, these can be uh, genuinely uh, impactful in helping avoid trips to the emergency room or worse. Uh, As far as uh, wearing your community hat, things that you can do to help solve these problems as a member of society and as a member of your local community this brings added meaning to uh, broadband access anything we can do to improve broadband nowadays helps to uh to bring these kinds of care models out to more and more people which not only will be beneficial to you if you need them but also to other people in your community and help take some of the burden off the healthcare system if people are better informed and better able to prevent health problems, as opposed to having to show up at the hospital to get someone uh, to to pull them out of trouble, so so we live in a world where medicine is truly transforming, and I think Nate that is uh, one way to introduce OB plus
0: completely. And when we think about broadband access, it really has become a, a necessary utility, you know, kind of like running water and appropriate electricity. You need broadband access. One of the groups that I work with in my role with uh, the National Bee Society is a group called the MATCH Coalition. And they're a lot of community organizers working in underserved areas. Uh, The MATCH stands for Maternal Applications of Technology and Community Health. And a lot of what they advocate for is getting high-speed broadband into all these areas that need it. I mean, all the promises of telehealth aren't going to work if the fundamental tech isn't there so to, to bring us to ob 2.0 or ob plus th- that's really the message use the tech uh, we, we had a crash course in it during the covid emergency response where we had to adopt it uh, the experience while it did have some learning curves overall has been positive based on surveys and based on adoption rates so uh, the, the future is clearly hybrid uh, the click and mortar is is the way that the system most likely will evolve, where we have traditional in-person care augmented by a whole new host of virtual options, uh, like what we saw with Ilovu and all their ecosphere partners. And uh, so along the lines of looking to the future, there's also a a nod to the past, which is telephones are still a critical part of what we do. Um, And there's a lot of, I think, intrigue in the future of telephones as it relates to medicine. Because so much of our day is, is uh, spent talking to patients on the phone, as we should. It's, it's a great way to communicate. During COVID, this was part of a reimbursement package, and it really needs to be uh, integrated in all things going forward. Whether it's phone calls or text messages, this needs to be kind of a constant part of our, of our healthcare offering. And so the final push would be to engage. The future is now. We have all these tools available, and uh, they're not going anywhere.
1: And we say this as clinicians who fully understand the level of strain and stress that people providing healthcare care are, uh, are uh, subject to on a regular basis. But I think we need to remember that not only is this our, our responsibility to begin using this new technology and embracing it, but it's also very possibly going to lessen the amount of work that you have to do going forward and the number of emergencies that you see. Uh, as these become more well-integrated and patients essentially become empowered to prevent uh, problems that you'll have to take care of later on. So there is a silver lining to this added uh, burden of taking on the new technology. And I think it's also kind of uh, enlivening to evolve uh, as healthcare is going through all these multiple changes simultaneously. So, boy, Nate, I don't know about you, but I could use a mocktail right now. Uh, I'm I'm very ready for a mocktail. What do what, what do you have today? I am making a virgin mimosa with that some of that French sparkling cider I had. Uh, I've still got that around. I'm pouring it over ice with some orange juice and uh, a sprig of rosemary. So I'm sort of sticking with the theme of dressing up these mocktails a wee bit, uh, given that they lack some of the familiar taste. An experience of alcohol. Uh, I love what I had, the Purple People Eater last week. What are you having?
0: Yeah, we went very different directions. I channeled more like Sheldon Cooper in Big Bang Theory when Penny, uh, Kaylee Cuoco's character, is trying to suss out her skills as a bartender and wants to make all these drinks, and Sheldon doesn't drink alcohol, so he says, uh, I'd like a Coke. She's like, no, Sheldon, give me something. Like, I need to make a drink for you. Okay, I'll have a Virgin Cuba Libre. So Coke. <laughs> so I went with Squirt. I have just Squirt. That is that is it. I saw it in the grocery store. I love that brand. Uh, you don't see it around all that often. Kind of want to keep them in business. It was in a glass container, which is like even better. HO in Mexico, and so yeah. I have I have Squirt uh, with a with a with a lime wedge. How do you say Squirt in Spanish? I'm I'm, I'm not even gonna try. I would, I would butcher that so bad. There are many things going through my mind, is how you would say that, but I, it, it's not going to turn out well.
1: It turns out that Mexico is one of those places you can find a lot of these old school uh, cola drinks like uh, Fresca and uh, Fanta. Some of the old school stuff is, is down there if you ever do any traveling there.
0: Yeah, oh, I'm sure this was brought up right, you know, kind of through that 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 cartway. Uh, yeah, so... It, it, there also is a bit of more of a real reason for picking this, which was a lot of the drinks that I was trying, I realized basically were, were cola-type drinks, uh, which is not a bad thing. And so if I was looking for an alternative to an alcoholic drink on a hot day, I'd, I'd totally order like a Sprite or a Squirt. I did put a lime wedge on it. It looks like a cocktail. You wouldn't know from looking at this that you know it was you were trying to avoid alcohol. But uh, it, it just it tastes really good.
1: Yeah. And I like how the rosemary kind of adds a little bit of uh, uh, nuance and and alternate flavors to uh, Virgin Mimosa. So, Does it taste like a mimosa to you? Does it feel like you're yeah. drinking a mimosa? It does. It does. It feels like I'm having Sunday brunch all of a sudden here.
0: Oh, man. We've, we've, we've got a long time left in the podcast then. Those are about three hours
1: long. <laughs> well, we will save you from that eventuality, although... Who knows what will happen next time. But speaking of next time, a new episode of Green Docs will be out very shortly. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it. Find us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your listening content. Or you can even stop by our website, greendocspodcast.com, where you can check out the show notes and the links from this episode and send us any comments and submit your questions, which we will answer at a future episode.
0: This episode of Green Docs was created by Bruce Bacar and Nate DiNicola and produced by John Beethan of Imagine Podcasting. Check out our website, greendocspodcast.com. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, and we'll see you next time.